uh, emoji uh, puzzle slash uh, day date, right? I think that is. Oh, just, you mean that's not uh, a meme? Hello and welcome back to another episode of My Watchers Podcast, uh, episode number twenty-two. And today we're going to talk about the latest release in Watches and Wonder twenty twenty-three. For the first time ever in featuring um, all of us in three different countries, right? So Singapore, Malaysia, and Saudi. Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thanks, thanks, Woody, um, for joining as well, for making a return as our permanent uh, recurring guest. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, like without any more, uh, like without further ado, we're going to jump straight into um, the releases, starting with the crown, right? Rolex. No wristwatch check today. So what are your thoughts? Um, you want to do that? Let's do a quick one. Cool, cool. All right. So what I have, I have my Zen of Defiance skeleton. The one that everybody should be getting instead of a skyline. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Woody? Go ahead, Han. Um, having the oh, Rolex I'm the, uh, Explorer 36. The... Mm. One two four two seven. Yeah, right on point. Then I shall I shall let you go last. <laughs> wearing a, I'm wearing the Carrera, uh, thirty six re edition. Um, the best Carrera to get, even though there's plenty in watches and wonders. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I think. Yep. All right. So, um, starting off with the Rolex release. Right. What are your thoughts on this? Well, uh, so, I have to say that my reaction was. That's a lot of watches. And then there were things like, oh, that's an open case bag. That's nice. And then when you look at, then I looked at the price and then I closed the window. <laughs> right. I think, I think um, I was genuinely surprised with the number of releases um, uh, that happened. And I mean, we are also used to the minimal um, sort of approach that they went with, right? So tweak a little bit here, call it a new, uh, a new watch. A new Air King, change the bezel color, change the dial, call it a new release and stuff. So, uh, I was genuinely surprised. Right? I didn't expect for them to to create um, the open case back for the Platinum Daytona, and even for the the new Shalini, the nineteen zero eight. And they did a lot of stuff uh, which I think they they probably shouldn't have done. All right, the dotted um, OP, and also the uh, emoji. Uh, puzzle slash uh, day date, right? I think that is. Oh, just, you mean that's not um, a meme? No, no, no. <laughs> that that is a legit release, an off a off catalog release for the day date, right? Where you have a day date that doesn't show any day date at all. Like, what is this, right? There's, there's a time where you just say stop. You're going too far. But then again, knowing what will happen is going to be extremely high, and it's going to sell out, and it's going to sell high in the grey market, right? So. That's that. Uh, but all in all, I have to say my favorite release uh, in, for 2023 is, has to be the 1908, except for the price. Taking the price yeah. out of the equation, I think it's a beautiful watch. It's nice. It's slim enough. Um, and uh, it has the open case back. It shows quite a decently decorated movement, right? Nothing spectacular, yeah. but... Not bad, yeah. That's so. That's my highlight for me. Yeah. So for me, it's the same. Um, we got a lot of releases, but at least this time around, at least they're trying to do something new. So very happy to see something like the nineteen oh eight there, um, to expand the catalog instead of just different size, different color, different dial. So yeah, 
I think for yeah. me, the, uh, I would say the 1908, but I have to feel like this year is the year where Rolex went full. Yeah, last year was already a preview of them being full troll. This year they went all out because, you know, we talked about price and height bubbles. They give you a bubble watch. Um, you tell them that the watch that no one can get is the Daytona. They give you three now to try and aspire <laughs> to, right? So you've got three levels to aspire to now. Uh, steel, gold, you know, new steel, new gold, new platinum. For those of you who are Pokemon players, you want to catch them all, right? Good luck. It's going to be very tough right now, right? Um, and there's enough difference there. Uh, I know they've done a 40 mm Explorer. I guess I have to see it in person, but judging by what they did with the 39, which felt, uh, I know my views are biased because I have a small wrist, right? I prefer the 36 being a special piece. The fact that there's a 40 now is great for the masses, but the 39 that was discontinued had this very strange negative space problem, and it also always felt a little imbalanced. So I don't know whether the 40, the new 40, I've not seen it up close. It just feels like every other watch that has gone from an original 36 to 37 to 40, right? It still gives me that vibe. I know there are those that can see it with rose-tinted glasses and say that it's, it's good for those who always wanted a 40mm black watch that is an explorer, even though every other Rolex sports watch is 40mm already. So I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. So for Interesting this, right, said, I... I... Sorry. Uh, interesting that you say that way because ahead. I actually thought the 39 had that issue that you mentioned about negative space. Haven't seen the 40 in person, but looking at the render, it looks like that issue is not there. Maybe they have proportionally increased the size of the markers, the hands and all that. So I'm, I'm quite interested to see whether it actually works. Because uh, the 39, even from the pictures and renders, you can tell there's a negative space problem. But when I look at the renders of the 40, I kind of got confused. I thought it was 36 because it looks all right from the pictures. But then again, we need to see it in, in, in person to see. Yeah. Right. So I, I think I look at it as a very positive thing, right? So for me, I think as small risk Asians, we shouldn't discriminate the other bigger risk folks as well. And this is the time to have it. So I would say um, I would like more and more brands to actually go with this approach um, that has multiple different sizes, um, not only for in the way 36 and, and 40 for males, even some people in terms of female that likes even smaller watches have options for them, right? So the more, the better, um, the more choices people can have, and it just caters to a wide range of audience and everybody could enjoy it uh, regardless of resize. So I think that's a very positive thing. Yeah. I think that's a fair point, but we have to keep in mind this particular watch is going to wear very, very big, even as a 40, because it's, there's not much of a bezel going for it. It's almost all dial as well, right? And that's something to keep in mind. A lot of the other Rolex sports models, your Submariners, your GMT Masters have a bezel to make the watch appear a little bit smaller. So this is actually going to be probably one of the bigger wearing Rolexes in the catalog as well. Uh, I would say it would feel like a Explorer 2 without a bezel, the current 42mm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Oh yeah, it's meant to be worn by big men. <laughs> right. So the, the other release that I really like from them as well is the full gold, a full yellow gold GMT. I, I don't know, but because I think recently I'm in the face of like yellow gold and rose gold for some reason. And I just find that watch really, really beautiful. I just really, yeah, it's really expensive. I wouldn't buy it, but yeah, I really like looking at it. Definitely. Well, money no object for me. Uh, I would definitely have wanted in an alternate universe 
where we can win Oscar awards ourselves as well. Um, the Platinum Daytona with a open case flag, right? That would be, that would be nice. I wouldn't mind that being a gift from somebody, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that would be the one that personally as a chronograph fan, uh, speaks to me in some way or form, because I've always felt that a chronograph movement when done well, and Rolex does it well, um, should have an ability for you to appreciate from the back as well. And this is a nice touch, even though it's only available in platinum. And having said that, the platinum version of the uh, Rolex Daytona has always had a very iconic color scheme. And I think the fact that they kept that look there is also a nice touch. So yeah. yeah. Yep. And I'm also happy That's to see the, the, the front side of the Daytona as well. I think they kind of shrunk some of the stuff, uh, like the details of the, the, the font size, uh, the markers, I think they did something to it as well, less in your face. Uh, that was a problem that I had with a lot of modern sports Rolexes. The, the numericals are getting bigger and bigger and stuff like that. Uh, it looks like, mm. at least for the Daytona, it looks like it's heading in the right direction, trying to make it a little bit more subtle. It's not a subtle watch, but good to see that the details are becoming a bit subtle, uh, at least for, for, for my liking. Right. To me, I, I, I agree as well in terms of the, the DAO itself. I do like um, the newer DAO um, with the slimmer sub DAO and also the, the thicker uh, hour markers as well. However, for the bezel, um, it just looks a little bit off for me, to be honest. Um, it's not, it doesn't look bad, uh, but it just looks, doesn't look as good in comparison to the old one where it's just extremely flush um, and it's just one clean black a ceramic bezel that covers everything and right now you just it just feels a little bit weird where you have just one additional silver layer at the bezel right i'm not sure if it's just me for that mm -hmm. yeah. right okay so i think that's enough for rolex let's yep. move on into the little brother right tudor i think there was quite a number of stuff that they released they released the the white pepsi uh, the Polar Pepsi, they released the new uh, Black Bay in red with Meta's movement and Slimmer and also in Jubilee. Um, I think the one that uh, is in most uh, people's radar is the Black Bay 54, right? Extremely confusing naming. I have no <laughs> idea why they're doing it. Um, it's, it's, to me, it's extremely stupid. <laughs> but take, that out of the, take the naming convention out of the way. I think it's a gorgeous watch, right? I think they did something really daring as well. Same thing as with what um rolex has been doing or, or other brands as well to have it in multiple different sizes um and they did this i think it's quite a bold move to have it in 37 millimeters um and i think it's uh it, not only for the size itself i think there is quite a bit of a historical um reference to that as well they're trying to mimic um the rolex submariner from 1954 if i'm not mistaken uh, and that was a 38 millimeter um rolex submariner right so i, I personally that is the the highlight for me in Tudor, the Black Bay 54. Confused. Wasn't there already a red bezel uh, Black Bay in the past? Yes, yes there is yes. a red bezel, um, 41, but not with the latest Meta's movement, which is slimmer. Um, and they make some adjustments in terms of the case as well. It's it's no longer a slab case. It has the, it's like a chamfer towards inner. So they, it's tidy up quite well. I think they changed the, um, the, uh, second hands to uh, instead of a snowflake hands to a lollipop hands, and they also changed the crown. I think previously the crown for like the back of 58 and so on, it jutted out quite a lot. They moved that really inner as well, so the crown doesn't jut out as much as the old black base. Mm -hmm. So that's the main changes for it. 
I think they've effectively now um, made their catalog quite streamlined because all of it's almost in-house already. I think you can't get any more of the black base with a ETA, ETA movement anymore. So this is really their uh, streamlining strategy. Uh, I have to say, I'm also a fan of the 54. But one thing that I know tongue-in-cheek, right? I almost feel like Tudor is a company that knows how to deny you what you want. And I always find it very interesting. If you go in the mind space that whatever you want, they'll never give you, right? And But they'll give you something you might still want. That's something they're very good at, right? So take, for instance, everybody's been begging for the 58 to have a T-Fit class, right? Nope, ain't going to give you that. Everybody's been begging for the GMT to get thinner and smaller. Nope, not going to give you that either. I'll give you a white dial. Uh, you ask for a white dial somewhere else, maybe in the Rolex space. I'll give you a white dial now, but you still patiently wait. I'll give you a 54. Um, which naming aside is the more streamlined case with a T-Fit class. And now you are left going like, should I get a 54 or 58, right? And then they go and streamline the entire series to no longer have the cheaper version of the watch. And that's a bit of a decision that they've made that might upset a few people. Because I know some who have messaged me to say that, oh, I wish the price range isn't so close to the, the Black Bay series of 54 and 58, right? But the truth of the matter is, they're almost all identical watches now with just a different look. You either have a bezel, or you don't have a bezel, or you have slightly different sizes, right? It's, it's to your point, James, about Rolex, it's almost as though now it's even more streamlined, but you have different sizes across the board that you just pick the look and style you want. You have the in internal engines the same, the general wearability is going to be similar. So you go into a, a boutique, you see one you like, you pick it up, it's probably going to cost about the same just to your particular taste. That's basically it. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I feel like yeah, this is just the just same as what you said, right? Uh, I wish I wish the 54 was something a little bit more different because uh, it's, it's basically just the 58 but smaller uh, to me anyways. Uh, but of course, with the T-Fit class. I would, would have preferred if they done something else or, or maybe in a world where they should have maybe skipped the 58 and just went for a 54, right? And then you have you have those sizes, the, the normal one, and then the thirty seven, and then fifty four. I felt like that kind of made more sense. But yeah, we don't live in that world. Uh, yeah, I think the, to me, I think I could still somewhat accept in terms of like a difference, uh, a different line between um, fifty eight and fifty four, um, because they are both uh, in a way can say a homage towards a different submariner references, right? So I can still somewhat accept that. Um, the one that to me, in terms of the most, the biggest annoyance that I have with uh, this release is that new regular Black Bay 41 millimeter with the ray. So they always had three colors in your Black Bay 41, even back then with the, the, the ETA era, right? And then you have the in-house movement, it also released with three colors. And then now out of the black, blue and red, intentionally they restrict it and only give you the red for now and eventually they'll give you the black and give you the blue where this because this is not a production issue anymore this is like an intentionally withheld right so if you say like okay the black bay i mean the pelagos 39 um you don't have the other color version which i can still somewhat accept it because you perhaps you need to um do something to your production to give you a different color vessel but for the 41, they already have the black and they already have the blue, but they don't want to give it to you. They just say, all right, here's the red. Take the red first if you want it. 
Yeah. So. Yep. <laughs> gotta catch them all, James. Gotta catch them all. <laughs> uh, I must say the, yeah. the the white DMT. I like the look of it, though. Of course, size. Don't even think about it. And white dial just mm-hmm. gonna make it look even bigger on the wrist. But just looking at it, if I had the wrist for it, I think what yeah. I have tickled my fancy a little bit, to be honest. And it's a unique look, right? You don't have a look like this directly. The yeah. closest you get to the Rolex space is the meteorite dial one, but that's distinctive enough yeah. that this can be truly be a Tudor-only space, right? So I think that's a good, good move by then. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Yep, so I, I definitely agree with that as well. So it becomes less of a, a, a Pepsi or much. Mm. Um, but yeah, still, I think, like everybody else, waiting to see what Tudor um, release in terms of a different color bezel, or ideally a better movement that would allow a, a reduction in uh, the thickness for the case, right? So I think that's what people are waiting for, but um, they will have to continue to wait, unfortunately. Um, yeah, but um, the, the next thing, before we move on to another brand, the next thing I want to highlight as well, um, I'm personally not really a fan of them moving away from the uh, the the Snowflake second hands to a Lollipop second hands, right? Um, to me, Snowflake is a Tudor identity, right? I'm not sure what is the logic behind moving to the lollipop hand versus the um, the snowflake second hands. So to me, that I think that's a missed opportunity. I personally don't agree with that. Yeah. I feel it's a strategy for differentiation so that um, if you happen to have bought the previous version, there's still something, there's always this something a little bit that's small that would differentiate one from the other, right? So it's something the house of Rolex and house of Tudor has mastered to a degree very few can appreciate. Um, everything that they do ensures that even if you were to feel like, oh, damn, they released a new 54. Oh, but my 58 still has the nice red little thing at the top. You know? Um, oh, damn, the new Pelagos came out. Oh, but mine is titanium and in full, more rugged. You know, there's always this little bit that they leave behind, right? For you to feel that it's different, a little bit of difference. So yes, you can get the new one you get the perks of the new one, but my old one has this unique stuff. So you don't feel that you are being left behind. Uh, mm. I think that's something that Rolex has mastered through its decades of re- creating new versions as well, right? And aficionados will go right down to the millimeter on the spacing and the, the way the crown's position and stuff like that. I think they just learn from the best here. Yeah. Mm. yeah, Rolex takes and Rolex gives. So, yeah. and Tudor takes them to your gifts. Yes. Maybe that's why the Explorer wording um, is very different from the 39 and 40 as well, right? Because the, the 39, you have it at the bottom, along with the yeah, yeah. chronometer. But the 41, yeah. it's going to be the same like the 36 at the top. So, yeah. yeah. All, All right. right. Let's move on. Uh, next on JLC, I think the two models to highlight here is going to be the Tribute Chronograph. And also the white dial tribute, right? So mm. I think the white dial is gorgeous. It's beautiful. Mm. Um, interesting release out of the uh, the blue, burgundy, and green. I think this mm. is more subtle and more classy as well, in my mm. opinion. Um, the tribute chronograph, I think the, the backside of it is absolutely beautiful. But it's big and it's thick as well. Yeah. Not a watch mm. for me, but yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I I wonder why they're not making smaller wrist uh, watches. To be honest, like the the small seconds uh, tribute now is only going to be one size, and and, and that's the size that uh, can wear, but probably not a good idea. You know, certain angles just not going to look good. 
so for me, I, I just wish that they, 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 they had an option for a smaller one. Then the, that white dot would have really, really gotten me. Yeah, I think the it's a good point, uh, Han, that you mentioned. At the end of the day, right, I think one strategy that Cartier has done really well is you, you have the option of sizes. In, even if you are a male, female, you prefer big, you prefer small, you have the options there. And that's to the point of what James was saying about what Rolex and Tudor are kind of doing as well, right? You kind of feel it's a missed opportunity for JLC because it, they are a very good watch company that whose watch models are primarily known to be dress watch models as well. And this, that's the space where you can get away with even smaller watches if you want to wear it. I think that's a missed opportunity. I think the chronograph is absolutely fantastic. The other thing that, um, although it's the, the back side that is really gorgeous, right? This, the front side has no sub-seconds. It makes it very clean. It's like the, or, the 1931 limited edition as well, right? So if you, if you have the wrist for it, that's honestly, this is one of those watches that came out in watches at once. I wish that I had a different wrist, right? Because I could see myself yeah. wanting that watch. It's, although it's thick, if I'm not mistaken, the measurement is 11 point something mm only, if I remember reading it correctly. Yeah, it's, it, it's not all that thick, all things yeah. considered, yeah. Yeah, in proportion, it will be thicker to the, uh, the ones that you guys have, which is still the, the best proportions yeah. in my honest view. Um, and the one, even with the medium or the tribute that they have, the proportions are beautiful. This one will make it feel very chunky. But all things considered, if you've got the wrist for it, both sides, Usually you, you have to pick one or the other and you feel one's nicer than the other. I feel there's a merit to both of these and it's really quite special. So that will get my pick. Um, the chronograph has my pick. Definitely. As you mentioned as well, right? Both sides, it's equally beautiful and both sides are equally different as well. It's very, very different. Mm. You have a more fun side and you have a more, in a way, classy side as well. So to me, I don't, I don't know. But if, if I have... If they have a smaller version of this, that is a watch <laughs> that I would be very, very tempted yeah. to get. Yeah. So JLC, three people here asking for yeah. smaller watches. Yeah, correct. If you can somehow <laughs> do it, I mean, they are the masters of making things small, right, from history. So <laughs> not a capability <laughs> issue. <laughs> All right. So back now, I mean, now we talk about IWC, right? I think that's um, the one that has quite a number of buzz going on, if not the most buzz outside of Rolex and Tudor, which is IWC Engineer. I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. It's uh, the watch designed by Gerald Gentile after the Royal Oak and Nautilus. This is the third integrated sports watch that was designed by famous Gerald Gentile, right? In my opinion, I think it's um, the design, it's uh, either you love it or hate it because it's a very vintage looking watch. Um, not everybody will like it, but in my opinion, I think it's quite nice, especially the aqua color. And by having looks in the video, um, it wears really, really well as well on how the bracelet falls down directly, right? So I'm very interested to have a look at this in, in, in person um, to get a, a better judgment on how I feel about this watch. Yeah, same for me. I think it looks amazing. Uh, and yeah, uh, a lot of the uh, the integrated bracelets one, the problem that you have will be the the end links, but yeah, like what James said, it, uh, looking at the videos, it just droops down really well. And for a 40 mm, just by judging on the, the media pictures and media videos, it does look like maybe we can even pull it off. Just maybe. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see in person. Uh, and yeah, I really like what they did with the whole thing. You know, uh, the, 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 the OG version, you have all brush. I think here they kind of 
look for the minute details that really escalated up a, up a notch. You know, back then it was an engineer's watch. Uh, now I think, uh, obviously, no one's no no engineer is going to wear this to work. But yeah, it, uh, like what I see, they're really uh, elevating it, and I like that they they didn't drop anything else. It's just literally they know that this is uh this is it, and this is yeah. what you get. Uh, I really like it. Yeah. I think the measured luck to luck someone did could have been Adrian Barker. It's for the male ending is forty nine, which means to say, yes. in theory, you could the wrap around could be very very possible because that's at the male ending uh, point, right? Yeah. So it will wear a bit uh, on the large side. I think it would just be on the borderline for me to say no. But as a object of design um, and what they've done to make it fresh, especially the pattern that they chose on the dial, right? Um, I think that's a really nice touch. Honestly, not for the fact that integrated watches, integrated bracelet watches, prices have gone up so much over the years. Price no object, I would have, and risk no object, I would have possibly looked at this and said, I, I consider, consider one of these as well. Um, I don't have a preference at the moment. I think it would be depend on my mood of the day and which color. I, I like the, the base design as it is. Uh, I like what they've done with the new dial. Uh, so it's more a case of what strikes my fancy at that point in time. But I think this is a great job by IWC to bring this back. Their price point is understandably high. I'm not blaming them for it, but it is a a signal of the times. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think where people, a, a lot of people have issue with in terms of the pricing, it's mainly because of, uh, I would say, the movement, right? Because at the end of the day, the movement used here is a, um, a Richmond Group's movement. Uh, if not mistaken, it's based on the Salita movement as well, which is the same exact movement in the Mark 20, which is half the price of the engineer, right? Mm -hmm. So the question people always, uh, I mean, there's, there's two ways to look at it, right? One perspective, you look at it, if you compare it to other brands, where can you get an integrated bracelet? I mean, watch at a lower price point with this with a better design, right? That's one way to look at it in comparison to, let's say, even a, a GP, Partech Nautilus, no need to talk about that, right? Because those are super expensive. There, what is the comparison of it, right? Mm. That's the tough part. But the other way to look at it as well, those other watches has their own, like, I would say proper in-house movement. Mm. Um, and that's something that people appreciate more than uh, what they have in this particular watch. Right? So that's the, I think that's two mm. ways to look at it. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I'm definitely interested to check it out. Um, I'm not closing the door for this yet. Um, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> this is this is something that is very, very interesting, especially after watching um, it's, uh, I think it's about having time podcast that they did in IWC's, uh, um, I don't know, warehouse of corporations mm -hmm. with Gerald Genta's wife and how she explained the thought process and design, uh, the design thought process that goes behind creating this watch by Gerald Genta. I think that is very, very interesting. A lot of it I didn't know as well, and it made me appreciate his designs even more after hearing that. So for those who haven't watched it, Please go watch it, and I think that might change the perception of this watch, actually. One thing I should tell the viewers Wait. as well who uh, watch this podcast, right? Whenever James says something like this, tends to be the hype will be bigger than normal. He's got a very good sense of the pulse when it comes to these things. So for those of you who have got value retention outside the Rolex in Tudor space, right? The man has spoken. Listen. <laughs> very much. I think there is a big chance, right? I mean, uh, if you look at, 
I mean, as watches are starting to get more and more expensive, what is the next integrated bracelet watch that you can get right, at this price point? So if people can't get yeah. that, they might get this. So you have heard it here first. Just so, a great looking watch, so no, no problems yeah, there. It's a great watch. Yeah, and uh, George Bamford has, uh, has been asking for it for five and a half years. So yeah, go figure, yeah. right? Oh, wait for the Bamford edition. Yeah. You know it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and interestingly, it, it, it just might because you can pop off the, the bezel at the front and you can work on the dial. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Next, moving in to Cartier. All right. Um, so there are quite a number of releases um, that, uh, that they did. But to me, um, probably the only one that is my highlight for me, okay, only two, is probably the Tang Normal um, and the Santos Dumont and Skeleton, right? Skeleton and Lacquer, uh, Lacquer case. But that is super expensive. That's something I probably won't be, uh, won't be buying. Mm. Uh, Tang Normal is also, from what I heard, is also really expensive. Mm. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I like the Normal, but like, like you said, I think all of them are like uh, numbered, uh, not maybe not numbered, but all limited editions. So the price is, is pretty crazy. Uh, I was interested and then I looked at the price and then it's like, okay, you know, <laughs> not, nothing to do there. Yeah. Uh, for me, the not normal is normal. Uh, did, didn't, didn't, <laughs> did, 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 didn't speak to me at all. I like the touch of the skeleton where the, uh, the rotor has the plane, right? In the spirit of um the origins of this watch as well i think that's a very nice touch great piece of art kind of can't be looking at it because of the price but it's a good, good job by cartier right okay then the next one the next brand chopard mm. right to me mm -hmm. the luc mm -hmm. beautiful to me i've always liked that watch right and, mm. and then before they changed the, the logo to have LUC support in there. And then now they just went back to just a clean show part. Absolutely beautiful. I think that's a really, really beautiful watch with the Gilloche in the middle. Um, it's just, everything is beautiful about it. But it's really, really expensive. I don't know why are they charging, I think like almost like super, like crazy expensive price for, uh, for a steel watch. So this is steel. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it was, it's like 20,000 euros or something like that. If I'm not mistaken, wow. I could be wrong, but I, I, I look at it as I'm super expensive for a steel watch. Wow. Really, really expensive. Yeah. Sign of the times. Yep. Sign of the times <laughs> indeed. It's a very good looking watch. Um, you know, the, the dial and the look, you know, this is the sort of uh, watch that I almost want to pick up the, my phone right now and, and DM Justin and go like, Hey, what do you think? It's, it's, it speaks to you straight away. <laughs> about him yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so like the new one that they did it is like with this LU's ah, okay. part yeah. and stuff it's, it's not nice no no it's too cluttered now they just yeah. go back into the, the same simple one which yeah. I know I'm a logo person so mm. this DAO is like nice beautiful, beautiful. Nice. but my recommendation is if you want this look for second hand mm. look for the second hand white gold or the second hand um, yellow gold mm. um, you get a way better deal than this right mm. but uh, price is like, I think it's a really beautiful watch. Mm -hmm. And then the Salmon Alpine Eagle, mm. beautiful as well. The old previous issues that I have with the, the Alpine Eagle 41 is the date. I don't like the date window. I don't like how it juts up from there. 
now with this 41 um, salmon with the sub-seconds, mm. extremely clean. Mm. And I'm always a big fan of the Alpine Eagle mm. price aside as well. Really, really beautiful watch. Yeah. I'll, I'll pay more attention when it gets smaller, but I, I see your point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I looked at the size and looked away. Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So uh, comes to our favorite brand, Grand Seiko, right? Um, so I think there's um, the, the, they had the chronograph um, and they also had the gold, rose gold uh, spring drive, right? So, and that watch is beautiful, right? Absolutely. Wow. And it's, I think it's limit, at limited edition out of like 100 or 200 pieces. 100 pieces. 100 pieces, right. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely. I see your name on this one. Yeah. You see, you, you could just put your, oh. your name Han Ikada or something there. You know, it's, it's, it's there. It's speaking <laughs> to you right now. <laughs> yeah, I might have to sell 80% of my collection just to just to have this one. It's, it's okay. It, it's just like the joke we made of B, uh, uh, BVS Watch, right? We have to sell every all our collection together and sell a few uh, kidneys and we'll be able to get one <laughs> for the podcast. Yeah, but... Yeah, but really, it's amazing. When I saw the pictures, I couldn't couldn't believe it. It's yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. Uh, yeah. Lost words. <laughs> I, I feel like it's so the, my, the best my... execution of that that watch actually uh, that they've done to date. Oh man, yes. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, for James. Sure. So my yeah my my personal recommendation for this as well. If you like it, I personally think it's it's worth waiting. Right, wait for it to get into the secondhand market. Um, historically, precious metal Grand Seiko doesn't do really well in the secondary market. Look at the the vintage logo, Grand Seiko, um, uh, I think limited edition of 250 in yellow gold. That is probably selling like maybe like 50% of the retail price in the secondary market at the moment, right? So I believe this will, it might not be as, as, as low as that, but you can definitely score a deal um, in the secondary market. That's my opinion. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So James, uh, you, you were like contemplating a lot of gold, yellow gold. Is this one of them, or I mean, like, if if you're looking at the the PP Calatrava, uh, is it is it really that far off for this? Um, I don't know because the 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 sort of the, the thing I always have with the spring drive, it's um, it doesn't because I'm purely looking at a dress watch right now, like a formal dress watch, and the spring drive is always to me like a neither here nor there kind of watch, even with like the hand-wound Omina Watari and everything, it doesn't really speak formal to me, at least not fully. It always seems to me like a hybrid. Same with the movement as well, sort of like a hybrid. So probably no, but um, if do I want to own this eventually in the future? I think there's a space for it, yeah. Damn, I was hoping you say you own it and then- Yeah, then, then we pick it up from him secondhand after that. Yeah. <laughs> Get a second hand price for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good plan. <Okay. laughs> Let's talk on the side. Right, I can broker this. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if if anything that is in contention, to be honest, call me crazy or what is actually the nineteen oh eight, to be honest. Right. But the only thing I can't stomach about the nineteen oh eight is the price as well, right? Because if I look at the nineteen oh eight price, it's at the price of a a Langa or even a VC. Right, uh, probably like a uh, traditional or pressure money, mm. um, like or even eighteen fifty or Saxonia. It's I think it's if not the same uh, price. And Rolex, you know, Rolex is always machine made, whereas Langa VC at the other end is a total different level. So I think the price point is a little bit wonky. But 
if they reduce the 1908 price, maybe like 20% down, I think I'm very tempted to get that watch, to be honest. Remains to be seen whether this will revive the, the dress watch side of uh, Rolex, right? But I think it's a good good signal anyway that they're done. Yeah. All right. So moving on next to Oris, I think there's only one watch we'll talk about, <laughs> which is the Pro Pilot Kermit Edition, right? Um, I don't know what you guys think, but I absolutely love it. I think it's just <laughs> the right amount of fun, right? It's not, it's not really in your face. You have that small Kermit, a date that is, is playful, but doesn't really disrupt the entire design of the watch. Not like what Rolex have done with the, the puzzle they did, right? That is just atrocious, right? But this is, is, that, is this is beautiful, yeah. Is that for the first day of the month or every day it's a different Sesame Street character? I don't know, to be honest. Yeah, I, I assume it's just <laughs> one, one day, yeah. yeah. But this one is a real Kermit edition. It's not like someone giving it a nickname. This is a real Kermit watch, right? So... Uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a nice choice and I like the fact that a brand is staking claim officially with the, the namesake itself right? rather than it being one of those <laughs> nicknames that people just give so there will be a conversation where someone will go like I've got a Kermit so oh you've got a Kermit which one? it's an Oris oh <laughs> that's the real Kermit yeah <laughs> the real Kermit. Yeah, for, for, yeah for those out there with a, a Submariner LV yeah you guys have a fake Kermit. <laughs> yeah, yep. Kermit. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. The fake Kermit's up now. We've outed you already. <laughs> Just say it. I'll, I'll take it off you for half the price. Yeah. <laughs> I, th I think the, the main issue right now with Oris as well, I think what they need to do is fix their pricing, right? I think a lot of people have liked what they have done recently with the new movement, well, like the five days power reserve um, and so on. Um, but the pricing, it's a little bit questionable, to be honest. Mm. I think this is about um, 4,400 Swiss francs, mm. um, which is about like, um, I think 6,000 plus Sing dollar, which is like 19, 19 around 19, 20,000 ringgit. Mm. Really expensive for what it is. Mm. It's about uh, yeah. a few thousand, like I think about 2,000 ringgit more than a normal edition as well, which is also a really, really expensive. Mm. Um, yeah, so to me, I think always, what always needs to do now is maybe work on the price point a little bit. Mm. Um, I don't think they are there yet um, to demand such price. But aside from that, their watch is actually quite interesting in terms of the new releases. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not, not much else for me for this one, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw the OG ones and yeah, to me, this is just a different color. Well, there was a lot of tech hoyers this time around, but I have to say none of it really, really uh, spoke to me. But I'm biased like that. Um, I feel the, even though they've got this whole glass box thing, um, a lot of Carrera focus because it is an anniversary. Uh, but having the one on my wrist, you know, whenever I look at these pictures, I go like, nope, you still haven't reached the highs of a re-edition, right? It's, it's, um, it's odd. Uh, it could be just a personal perception, but I feel that because they've become so big and they've had not figured out how to keep the masculinity of the original design and offer different sizes the same way that we've talked about, right? I mean, they've got the Carrera date and all that for a smaller size, but I've always felt it weird when you call a Carrera watch without a chronograph. It's just like bor borrowing a name. It doesn't feel quite right. So I like the fact that they've gotten the uh, two subdial one, uh, or the, the date better located now. It's quite interesting. Uh, but on the whole, only if you're a big dude, which I'm not, you find something to like here. Otherwise, I actually think there's so much 
although Hodinkee has and Fratello have destroyed the va- the value proposition already by, by talking <laughs> about it, right? The the best Hoyas were in the past still. Yeah. Yep. Agree. I mean, all I can say is like look at look at the the secondary price of the thirty six millimeter Carrera that has increased post the Hodinkee uh, article of a slash video has been released. Yeah. Right, there is where the demand is. So for uh, for tag, until you have a true Carrera reissue, we're done talking about you. <laughs> okay. All right, moving on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I think we just have. I think we just need to do one more. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is BC. Okay. Uh, Vacheron, and I think the one thing that I just want to highlight is that um, it's good. Um, I, I like the fact that they released a, a, I think a 34 millimeter overseas, but to me, I'm just waiting for them to release a overseas in 37 without the hideous small subseconds, right? Because the current one in terms of the small seconds at the nine o'clock, is really awkward. It's in my opinion, really ugly. I loved overseas among all of the other integrated bracelet watches. Overseas is the one I like the most, regardless of the color. Just the design itself, it's just really, really beautiful. Please just release a 37 uh, flat three-handed watch um, for me, and I'll be really happy. Okay. So that's all I have to say. Question for, for you, right? Because yeah. in this episode so far, there's been the uh, engineer, that's the short part <laughs> Alpine Eagle, and now there's this, right? So if I had to make you choose, you are saying that this will, you save all the budget or you do as much as you can to get this one, right? Um, that this hypothetical that is, one. Uh, okay, so if, if if I were to pick, if I would if I were to pick one of those watches, and I can't sell, even if I can't sell mm-hmm. easily, I'll take the overseas in the heartbeat among all. Okay. Even even versus the Royal Oak, even versus the Nautilus and stuff. To be honest, I don't really like either of that as well. Mm. Um, overseas is the only one I like. But in terms of uh, paying for it that may differ the, uh, the answer a little bit, right? Because then again, even retail to retail, uh, or even secondhand to retail for a better example, right? You can get a really good deal of Alpine Eagle in a secondary market versus paying retail, not even resell, paying retail for overseas. So to me, in terms of price to value proposition, yeah, there it, it may change a little bit, but if money is out of the equation, and I was given one, even if I can't sell it, I will take the overseas. All right. I've got nothing further to add yeah. because I, it's... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's a nice segue for, me, yeah. to, for us to talk about the price trending that we're seeing now, though, I think, across all the brands, right, that we just talked about. I mean, Rolex is... Whatever price Rolex charges, unless you have a very good track record, you're not going to get it at that price anyway. So Tudor's prices have gone up. You've eliminated uh, ETA movement, so now everything priced very, very close to uh, the original Black Bay 58 prices. Um, you don't get very much choice below that anymore. Uh, you've got the likes of IWC positioning what you've just mentioned as well, James, that they put a, a, their movement. But because it's an integrated bracelet watch, you've, you're asking for a price of upwards of ten to 12000 US dollars. And then you've, you're going on to see Grand Seiko putting up watches and comfortably asking for forty to 50000 now as well. Um, and that seems to be a sign of the times already, right? I don't know what, how you all feel about, about that. Um, I have to be very honest, at this moment in time, if not because you guys have been um, 
some of the best people I've had a chance to work with and it's an enjoyable hobby, right? I'm actually feeling very jaded by the whole thing. It's like, it's a horrible time to be involved in uh, luxury watches if you're just starting, yeah. right? Um, I would have thought that Agreed. things would have gotten a bit better with the the way things are going, but it's, everyone's just increasing prices, hoping that people will buy. Yeah. Uh, the rate as of it increasing is a little bit too crazy, uh, if you ask me. Uh, at least the my wages is not uh, increasing, not even close to proportionate, right? So to me, yeah, feeling jaded. I never know. I never know what's next, uh, personally. Uh, yeah. Uh, for myself, I think it's the same as well. To be honest, uh, looking at, like trying to think uh, ahead in terms of one, two years uh, ahead on where my collection would be or what, how I would want to approach my watch collection, I have no idea because um, it's a very big question about looking at how the trajectory is going, right? If it continues to go this way, my options is very limited. At least, at least my options as a responsible person that's trying to, <laughs> to put watch as like a hobby, right? So we don't spend all our money responsibly for watches. Um, so that comes with the, the thing that for me personally, how I tackle this is I will tackle in terms of, I will get all the, the watches that are still reasonably priced. That's how I, I typically approach my watch collection, a watch collecting journey, right? I'm trying to find that, that, oh, it's at this price that I can still afford, but if two more price tag later, I can't afford, I'm going to get and prioritize those watches first. Um, and that's how I'm approaching this. In the future, perhaps um, I'm just going to look focus on in terms of micro brands or smaller uh, watches in terms of cheaper price point. What I personally hope is that there are more and more brands coming to the scene and creating and filling that gap, right? Because as, as things are progressing right now, the gap between like micro brands and like the mainstream brands are getting further and further apart. And there, I think there is a space in the middle right now for someone to come in and tackle mm. that um, right there, right? So I don't know if, if maybe like uh, some other brands can create uh, or follow in terms of like Rolex footsteps, right? To create mm. a cheaper brother, like a Tudor. Another brand can come in and do that, um, have a cheaper alternative and so on. I, I'm not sure, um, but I think there's a opportunity for anybody's in the watch industry. Agreed. Let's hope for that then. Because um, otherwise, I, I just want to feel that the enthusiast space used to be filled with value propositions, right? But I think with the propagation of so much more mainstream media and the brands being a lot more aware as well, the side effect now is there are very few value propositions left in the classical term of what the value proposition is. Uh, I think Hodinki and the likes have bastardized that to no end already, right? A value proposition is now 10 to 12,000 US dollars. And that's what they call a value proposition. It makes absolutely no sense to what it just used to be four or five years ago, and our wages definitely aren't escalating as quickly as well. So it's trying to find joy in these sort of things. It's going to get a little bit more difficult, but I'm still hopeful that there'll be stuff. So it's, it's been nice to see so many different uh, models this year, because I think it was actually much quieter last year. Uh, this year's edition seems to have a lot more, uh, but it's just a bit sad that prices have followed suit as well. Yeah. Yep. Not, not to mention as well, um, since we are all Malaysians, mm -hmm. the Malaysian currency isn't doing well as well. So that doesn't help <laughs> in our favor, right? So I mean, for, for those who are watching in the Western country, do I need mean, to give you some context on that as well. Just picture yourself earning Malaysian ringgit and so on. So yeah, it doesn't help. So Han, we're yeah. waiting for you to, to have a different time zone as well, in other words. 
yeah, hopefully soon. All right, I think that's a perfect way to end it. Um, as usual, thank you so much for watching this episode. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. Anything, if you have any questions and so on, just drop us in terms, of, uh, drop us a comment, drop us a PM and DM, whatever. We'll see you in the next one. Thanks, guys. <laughs>